You're listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast, discussing all aspects of precision and long-range rifle shooting. This episode is brought to you by Impact Dynamics. And now, over to your hosts. Well, hello and welcome to the Precision Shooting Podcast. My name is Rusty, and uh, this is episode 111, I think, if we get these timings of these episodes correct. I'm sitting in, where are we, gentlemen? In College Col- Station, Texas. College Station, Texas. And uh, with me is David and Robert from WeBad, if I've pronounced that correctly. That's correct. That is correct. That is correct. Well, I've, I've heard all sorts of pronunciation. I'm sure you have as well of, uh, of how to say that. So, David, next to me here, how are you, sir? Good, good. How are you today? Yeah, going very well. And, and Robert is the other voice in the room. Doing fantastic, thanks. Excellent, very good. So, thanks for the invite to, to come on out. We uh, we were in Texas and uh, you know thought we'd uh, we'd drop past and have a little look and uh, beautiful little shop you've got going on here. How long have you been in this spot? We've been in the spot for about two years. Um, we this is our well technically fifth location <laughs> from where we started eight or nine years ago in my guest bedroom. But uh, yes, we've been very blessed. Uh, with good friends and good relationships in the industry and just working with friends and everything. Yeah, so so that's eight years or so, you said? Yes, yeah. yeah. That's been going on for quite a while. Yeah, yeah I like to – I think we've actually conceptually have been a company for, what, David, about 10 years, something like yeah. that. And, okay. yeah. you know, finally we kind of got serious about it in 2011. But we always like to say supporting since 2010 because that's when some of the original stuff started flying off the machine, so – so where did where did the idea of doing it come from? I'm guessing from from actually shooting comps and then needing stuff, or where did this all? Uh, ah, well, we're getting it, pointed around the room. Yeah, <laughs> so he comes up with the best story. We had started uh, obviously sitting around a campfire. It's 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 a story that's kind of been around forever. But yeah. David and I uh, have been friends for a lot longer than Webad was actually around, and mm-hmm. we decided uh, on a hunting trip that we used to take to Trilingua, Texas, that. It'd be kind of cool if we kind of did something together, and mm-hmm. we didn't really know what it was at that particular point in time. And um, we were both going to our different hunting locations the next morning after we kind of discussed this, and it, it kind of hit me like a lightning bolt. I was like, "Holy crap!" You know, you take David's last name and my last name, and you put them together, and <laughs> him being Weiss, me being Badgett, you know, it comes out wee bad. So I kind of stopped my four wheeler in his tracks and turned around and went and found David, and I'm like, "Holy <laughs> crap! We got wee bad. That would be so awesome." Yeah, and he's like, "Man, that's pretty cool." So. We didn't really know what we were going to do. You know? <laughs> Got we a knew we were going to do something. We just yeah. didn't know what we were yeah. going to do. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so to keep a long story short and to kind of keep it clean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, no, I, I want the full version. Well, now. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll keep it clean and we won't right. mention any names. But uh, we had a buddy with us that was on a hunting yeah. trip and uh, he had a couple of issues making it to the bathroom, you know. David's now rolling on the floor yeah. laughing. <laughs> yeah. So we were like, man, this would be great if we could do like this crap thing. Like we put it on the receiver hitch and we could back it up to the tent for our buddy and he yeah. wouldn't have to, you know, worry about making it to the bathroom because we roughed it out there, you know. We slept mm-hmm. in a GP small. and uh, But uh, anyway, so that was going to be our first product. So so our first idea is that we would try to take WeBad and make a great name out of it and kind of kind of be like the Nike of maybe the shooting industry or something like that. But it had a lot to do with rebranding gear. Right. Uh, yep. You know, it was kind of, it, it was kind of our, our, our first envisioning, kind of our first thought. And a um, little bit of time went by. And, um, you know, we didn't act on it quite immediately. And one day, uh, David... Uh, came about with a rear bag of some sort. You know, it was basically probably more or less our standard loot bag nowadays. Yep. 
and uh, presented that product. And I'm like, you know, what the hell is this? You know, it's kind of <laughs> kind of what was going through my mind. The furthest yeah. thing from my mind was something coming off of a sewing machine. Uh, you know, at that particular time. And David had went out and he had bought himself an industrial sewing machine and just kind of started tinkering around with stuff for himself. And okay. uh, it's it's evolved since then, you know. Mm. It's it's kind of blown up, but that's where we got our start out of a bedroom and it just kind of took off from there and here we are today. So it was from a, a hunting background more than a competition background that that kicked off? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I shot my first rifle competition at rifles only in 2005 which okay. was the inaugural the first snipers hide cup yes when they were teamed up with frank um and i shot 2005 2006 2007 snipers hide cup and then i had my second son and that kind of put a damper in things at least as far as you know back then you know practicing was like maybe perhaps once a month or something like that nothing like it is today but uh, that put a damper in things for a couple of years and, and that time i got involved with more hunting and uh, then when I kind of started getting back into the long range shooting was like, we were already taking hunting trips and already talked about this. And then I pulled him into long range shooting in about 2010 or 2011. Okay. And, uh, it kind of built from that. We started going to matches and saying, wouldn't it be nice if you had this or friends of ours that competed as well said, I need something to solve this issue. Mm-hmm. So yep. that's kind of where it all took off from. And kept, kept coming out with new ideas. Yeah. 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 Which you, you seem to still be doing because we walked in today on you doing a photo shoot, or nearly, uh, not that type of photo shoot, <laughs> but, uh, of your products, of, of some bags along the, the table here. Can you give us an outline of, of the, the latest stuff about to hit? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we've got a few things that we've been working on since we've returned from SHOT Show. Um, obviously, a lot of it has been from user feedback. It's been from some observations that we've made. Uh, out in the shooting community, just being members, which has uh, been very important, you know, just mm. being able to watch kind of what's going on out there. And um, uh, one of the products is we're coming out with a new strapless product. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the strapless product is to try to explain it without actually seeing it. Basically, it's been some time since I've actually seen somebody at a competition use one of these pieces of gear, especially our ultra lightweight product, by using an arm strap. Mm. Uh, which really originally when the product was developed, it was developed in order to uh, take small appendages of the body, say elbow to knee contact, and mm. to make it uh, a little bit larger area and make it easier to kind of balance your rifle or balance weight on top of these small points of the body. So what it did was it sat between those and made those points a little bit larger. And nowadays, when people are building their shooting positions using these products, it tends to be more of taking up space in the human body to eliminate the muscle strain that the mm-hmm. weight of the rifle causes. Yes. So because of that, uh, we are coming out with a strapless product. The strapless product is unique in the sense that all of the shot cord and everything for the product is contained inside of the bag. So yeah. when the bag packs out or if you like a little bit of a looser bag and like many of our customers do decide to order your product to where it's 70, 80% full, mm-hmm. you can still tighten the shot cord straps on it yes. and it will actually make the bag feel full again. Yeah, and so, so this is like the, the pump pillow? It, it is. And, and it's going to be our tack pad. Our pump pillow, and then there's going to be a new product out that's going to be somewhat larger. Uh, for lack of a better term, at this point in the office, we're calling it the behemoth. So, if anybody <laughs> has, if seems anybody, appropriate. yeah, but if anybody has any ideas on uh, a better name than that, please let us know. <laughs> 
Well, you're about to you launch it, so probably by the time this goes out, you you would have worked something out. I hope. <laughs> well, yeah, very true, very true. <laughs> that, that's similar size to sort of sort of two pump pillows attached. Is it similar? It's it's close. Um, you know, it's it's not quite the dimension of two complete pump pillows attached, but mm-hmm. I would say definitely one and a half. Okay. Yeah. 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 Behemoth sounds about right then. <laughs> it was good. Yep. Yeah, I, I, you know, when you mentioned that to me today, I was trying to think of the last time I saw someone use the the arm straps, and I think the only person I've seen in the last couple of years do that is me. <laughs> so, <laughs> a bit of a dinosaur, perhaps, but uh, it it shows that the type of company they are they're responding to the market very much on touch. Now, both of you guys shoot quite a few comps now. David shoots a little bit more than I do. Okay. Um, I kind of shot quite a few uh, at the beginning of 2018 mm-hmm. and uh, took a little break off after that. I've kind of balanced it between a couple of different hobbies. But uh, David seems to stay quite involved. Yeah, I think I shot either – I think I was registered for eight PRS matches last year and I shot six. Wow. <laughs> okay. uh, two of them, one fell near a family trip and I ended up not going. And another one, there was some other thing that came up and I donated it to – a friend to give it to a top mill guy or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, it's it's been fun and being out there and seeing all these people that you don't get to see very often and things like that. As well mm. as it's, I'm probably shooting better than I have in my life and I'm practicing <laughs> more than I ever have in my life. But it's become a very competitive game in the last few years it for has. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And and you shoot club matches as well. Is that? Yeah, I probably shot. Eight to nine club matches last year, plus six PRS matches, and then the that's finale as well. So <laughs> as well, yeah, that's yeah. Pretty. How'd you go all up? Do we want to talk about that or not? Well, this year actually <laughs> wasn't as good as last year overall, but yep. I mean, I I qualified for the finale and I made it, and I finished, I believe, 69th. Um, the day two of the PRS finale this year, the winds were very calm and the targets were larger. So okay. I had I had a couple numb skull mistakes in the last few stages oh, no. that cost me points so <laughs> i think i dropped eight or nine points in the last day and dropped about 25 spots i saw that on that yeah the guys yeah. didn't have to drop much and they just went straight no down if you drop more than three or four you're losing ground yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's a very tight finale yes was that fun to shoot yeah Being that tight though yeah it is i mean so it, the day one, the targets at the range we were at were larger, but day one, the winds were high, which they yep. usually are at that location. Okay. So it was probably appropriate for day one, but day two, when the winds dropped from like three to five and uh, you have like two to three MOA targets, it makes it... Quite, yeah, relatively easy. You're definitely yeah. counting your misses and not your hits. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's... Uh, it, it, we were watching you know, details and updates from back home and, and going... This is uh, very, very competitive, and you don't want to miss anything there. It was uh, very tight. Yeah, I got to watch the master at work, Philip Vallejo, who won it. Mm -hmm. He was in my squad as well as some other good shooters, and uh, I I don't think he dropped a single shot that day. I mean, and the day one, he had only dropped like five shots through the first, I don't know, seven or eight stages. He was on fire. I mean, (laughs) just putting on a clinic, I was just sitting there watching it. It was impressive. Taking notes, I bet. Yes, yes. And what about this year? What what does 2019 hold for both of you in terms of shooting matches? Uh, This year, I think I have six or seven matches on the schedule. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to split this year some between NRL and PRS. Yep. As well, so we'll see how that goes. Um, that might damage my chances of making either finale <laughs> since I'm splitting time between the two. Sure, but uh, my goal is to make both, so we'll see how that turns out. And, and um, you, do you get plenty of matches close by in Texas, or 
Yeah, actually, last year especially, there were five PRS matches in the state of Texas. Wow. Within a five-hour driving distance from here. And then there's a couple, yeah, you're not too far from from some of the other matches. Yeah, from Oklahoma, yeah. There, there were two matches that were eight hours away. So, I mean, anything within 12 hours is, is it's, game. Is gettable. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, six or seven across, and, and they're all still relatively local for you? Yeah, I mean, they're not far, but this year there's not as many. There's probably, I think there's two or three PRS matches here, but there's also, let's see, there are two NRL matches in Oklahoma, as well as the finale for the NRL is here at our home range 20 minutes away. Oh, okay. Oh, that'll be, that'll be convenient. Hopefully yes. you can qualify for that. Yes, yes. <laughs> Put some priority on that. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And, and Robert, are you going to be shooting much this year? I've got a couple of matches uh, mm-hmm. that I'll probably be participating in this year. It probably won't be as heavy as David, but uh, we're looking forward to uh, going the, to the Rifles Only match uh, okay. coming up. Yeah, that's uh, not, we, we missed out on going yeah. to that by a couple of weeks, unfortunately. Yep, so, so I'll definitely be at that one, and then there's some scuttlebutt that David and I have been kicking around about, you know, maybe Silent Night and a couple other matches. So. Yeah, because Silent Night's a, a night match, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Silent, yeah, it's at night and suppressed only. You have to run a suppressor only. for it, yeah. Yeah. And it's a good match. That's what I hear. I was actually registered for that one last year, and uh, they couldn't make it. But my friends that went loved it. That would be a unique, a unique match. I think we've we've had a couple of uh, well, Butters has run some night matches back home, but not not on, on any big scale. So it'd be wonderful if we get to some point like that. There's very few of our ranges we can shoot 24 hours on. So really? that's one of our – yeah, we've got a few restrictions in our country. I don't know if you've heard about Australia before, but <laughs> <laughs> we, we face some challenges when it comes to firearms. But it's uh, – we, we're still getting out there and, and having a crack. So – and appreciate your guys' support, by the way, uh, yeah. through both Delta Tactical and Huntsman Oz. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, for uh, – yeah, for stuff on prize tables. It's wonderful to, to see. And certainly, I know it gets used. And, uh, so, you know, I'm sure you send a fair bit over to Australia. Sales good for Australia? We, we keep me busy? Yeah, d- uh, definitely. Uh, Australia's doing fantastic, and uh, Huntsman and both Delta are doing a fantastic job for us, so mm. absolutely. And, and you were telling me before that the international market is really growing. Yeah, that was the one thing at SHOT Show this year. Uh, it was a very good show for us internationally uh, as part of the conversation that we were hitting up on. Um, so really happy to have uh, a lot of new countries on board with us, working with us, and uh, helping us out in these different markets. Yeah, fantastic. And and is is that seeing with the growth of the the PRS internationally as well, or is this more sort of military side of things, or both? Uh, I think it has a little bit to do with both, but uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I know that the NRL has been pushing really hard in a lot of different countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know kind of South Africa has been one of them, and. Uh, a few other countries that they've been able to sign on board. So that's been really good. And uh, But, yeah, the precision rifle industry period uh, yeah. in foreign countries we can see has really been increasing and picking up. It's growing, and it's, it's significantly growing here. I mean, you're releasing a bunch of new products, and obviously being able to do that on a fairly regular basis means there's people using the gear and keep keep going through it. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned uh, that at SHOT, people coming up and asking you where your new products were, and we've talked about some now, but you didn't have them last week. That's correct. That's correct. It was kind of a funny story because, uh, you know, we kind of sit around and kind of look at each other and go, man, where are all of our new products, you know? (laughs) And we're sitting out there at SHOT Show. But, you know, it kind of dawns on us, too, that, you know, the finale was just around the corner back in December, you Mm. know? And then also you got the season really kicking back off in February, towards the end of February, and 
uh, it gives all the match directors a little bit of time off, you know, to kind of think up all these diabolical and difficult, you know, different stages. And when we get back into the swing of things and kind of see if we're addressed with any kind of new uh, shooting stages, obstacles, barricades, uh, that's generally when the wheels start rolling. And we try to look at ways to solve these or to provide solutions, I guess, Mm. to uh, a lot of the new things that we see out there. So generally, you see new products come out for us, uh, like the end of the first, fourth, at the end of the first quarter, or probably the beginning of the third quarter. Okay, and and with the so obviously a bit of a cycle each year. Do you see like match directors doing particular trends of styles of stages for a year, or is it does it go in sort of all directions? Uh, um, you know, as as guys take that break and that time off to rethink some more new ideas. It just depends on where you are in the okay. country. So the more east you go and stuff like that, there's less wind and things like that because of the trees and stuff that okay. crowd in line. So if you go and shoot K&M or Core or something like that, your greatest hold at 1,000 or 1,100 might be a half mil of wind. <laughs> Whereas, you know, here we have at the Lone Survivor match that we've had in years past, you're holding like two to three mils of wind at 1,100 yes. at least or greater sometimes. Yep. And... Mm-hmm. Depending on where you are, if you're like up in the central part of the United States, like near Colorado and stuff, they have a lot more field style, style matches where it's more natural terrain and stuff like that. And mm. whereas in Texas and stuff like that, we like a lot of barricades and things like that where we got to yeah, contort okay. our bodies in odd, <laughs> odd ways to make the shot. But uh, just and, depends where you are. And so you see a lot of uh, you see a lot of regional variation, I guess, and and that will. You know, the, the matches get written for that because obviously when there's wind present, you don't want to make too many other things too complicated uh, because wind's obviously a big challenge. Whereas well, somebody needs to tell the match directors here at uh, Cawthon that same thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, perhaps not. <laughs> How do you find the, the stages that you, you encounter on, on both club and, and national? Are they, I mean, you guys are, you guys are solving problems, so I'm, I'm, I bet you're paying close attention to what, what stages get written and what's common to see. Yeah, it just it just depends, like I said, on where you are and stuff. But, I mean, it's always some kind of – usually there's a steep, steep rooftop of some sort. There's some kind of uneven barricades. Um, I'm trying to think of the most unique thing I saw last year. Hmm. Yeah, if we could come up with something for the swinging platform, I think we'd be doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I heard a I heard a cooler is not too bad for some of that. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're, they're stable sort of from gear. the PRS finale. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, things make their way down down our way. Yeah, okay. Uh, it's 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 interesting to see, and and certainly, um, you know, people get creative with their stages, and and there's there's do do you find there's a bit of a limit where it starts getting stupid, like it gets a bit beyond what you. what's fun or is it well you can look at it that way but you can also look at it as everybody's having to shoot it so it's i mean it's it's even across the board so Mm. Mm. yeah certainly certainly uh, we encounter all the feedback of all different types and uh, it's interesting to see what works up up here yeah there was there was one match i shot last year and our first stage was at like 1450 yards yeah (laughs) and that was I mean, because we were our squad, that's where we had just happened to start. And that was a little brutal, shooting across the canyon where the wind, you weren't quite sure how <laughs> how fast or how slow it was going, and it was picking up and dying. So you'd have a – you'd shoot, see your miss at like a mil and a half, so you'd come on the target and shoot, and it would have picked up – the wind picked up and be like a three-mil hold on your oh. second bullet by the time you <laughs> sent it. So Yeah, yeah, that that will be that That one was a little, uh, a little tough, and that was probably the only stage I really shot last year that I felt like might have been – a little bit of a stretch. Okay. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and 
I guess at the club level, you find the the, the stages easier at club level for what you guys are doing, or is it? Generally, they are a little bit easier, but usually the easier part is in the time frame, as opposed okay. to having a minute and a half in most PRS and NRL stages and stuff like that. They give mm -hmm. a minute 45 or two minutes or something like that to try to help the new guys. Mm -hmm. and, and in the club matches, it's great, too, for new shooters and stuff because since it's not as serious of a match, the more experienced shooters – Myself, I guess I'd be included in that pool, although I don't see myself as any kind of mentor. <laughs> but we can help them and tell yeah. them, you know, this and that and whatever and help them build the positions and show them what to do. And they have some time to kind of think about it and stuff. Sometimes when you're on the clock and you've got 90 seconds and you've got five positions and you're <laughs> engaging various targets, it kind of your brain starts doing flips if you're not used to it. Yeah, yeah, abs absolutely. And and we, we shot a club match there in Arizona uh, last week. Yeah, that with was, Regina and them. Yeah, yeah right and that was, that was really good to uh, to do, but also to see how it was run on a club a club level. Still 80 people, which is more than we've had to a match, a PRS match in Australia yet. Uh, yeah, that, that will change. Yes, um, it will change. But to see that at a club level and see how they went through eight stages in the day, and it went really smoothly. So, I mean, it's obviously not their first time doing it, but it was really good to see that club level. But the, the timing and, and having that additional help help i noticed they they called a lot of shots for people and well yeah you just a, you know make it more fun make it more fun yeah day. for sure yeah. i mean there's still some trash talking and stuff among friends and for the, the, for the top spot yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was plenty and it wasn't just for the top spot it yeah, might have but, been amongst the australians as well but, yeah <laughs> <laughs> which i failed miserably but anyway comparatively <laughs> we, we still had a good time so yeah it was uh but the club good. level has definitely grown a ton in the last couple of years i mean mm. Two or three years ago at the local club here in Central Texas, it was probably 30 or 40 shooters, and now there's almost 90-plus at every single club match every wow. month. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Because you got three – got one, one – I don't know, the one group in three different club club levels here, like North, Central, and South, or is it – Yes. Sort of? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of changed. So there's – the South actually rotates through different four different ranges. Okay. Uh, all the central matches are here held locally at uh, Cawthon Cartridge Club uh, because everything's set up there, and they've had some major PRS matches there. And I mean, okay. it's a great location to do it. Big club. But yeah, but the South rotates through three or four different ranges from about a probably about an eighty mile radius from, from the one edge from one property to the other. Mm -hmm. uh, north, I believe they have it at Jacobs Plains Club, but don't catch me lying. But I, <laughs> they used to rotate through several properties as well. Sure. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's because it gives you some diversity in what you're shooting. Whereas if you're shooting one club all the time, you get to know that that wind pattern or the setup fairly well. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that always helps as much as you think, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's some false confidence in that as yeah, well. Yeah, <laughs> you think oh, I've got this. I'll, I'll <laughs> I've take got care this, of it. and then you miss two or three, and you're like, "What just happened?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, Robert, you. I'm going to quiz you on uh, on you. You said other hobbies before that you've been splitting uh -oh. your time between. Yep. Now, you, uh, a couple of years ago, we experienced one of these hobbies that you uh, you spent some time doing, and that was a, a sensational barbecue we had at the finale. Oh, thank you. Uh, a couple of years ago, and you cooked it up an absolute storm. But this is not something you just do. Uh, I mean, you do it for fun, but this is not just something you do on the side. This is a fairly seemingly serious hobby for you. Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> it's a lot like shooting, to be honest with you. Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, there's quite an investment that goes into it in time and also in equipment. Uh, I'm sure as you can imagine, just like you can, uh, you know, build yourself a $10,000 rifle, you can definitely go out there and get yourself a $10,000 barbecue pit, you I, know. I, I can imagine it'd be a lot more than that in some instances. In, some, in, in, in a lot of cases, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, but, it, you know, it's easy to make that kind of investment. But, uh, yeah, there, there are some sanctioning bodies that uh, mm. all over the country 
that uh, have different rules and different styles of barbecue. And I just happen to be a member of the uh, IBCA, mm. uh, which is mostly located in Texas, but also all surrounding states. And uh, it's the International Barbecue Cook-Off Association. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I do compete in that. Yeah, so you, you all get together and cook up barbecues and then work out who's the best on the day. Yep, just just like shooting. Basically, yeah. um, you know, you can go to a competition every single weekend and, mm. uh, you know, they do have their finale and their cook-off at the end of the year. So uh, just if you can imagine, you know, going out and competing in something just like shooting without yeah. the guns and, you know, with fire and smoke, that would be it. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. And do you, do you make any side products for that? You know, do you, do you put any uh, tactical aprons or do you do anything? Well, that's... you know, funny enough, David and I have actually talked about that, but we have so much focus <laughs> on the shooting industry right now that we haven't branched out into that. But there is a market for it. <laughs> yeah, well, always got to always got to work on uh, on what else is around because uh, I, I bet plenty of shooters like to cook. I mean, a lot of them are hunters, aren't they? And and so we we enjoy cooking, and uh, or they may be quite different to a, to Texas barbecue back home. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm. You got some new products in development. Anything you can talk about other than the the strapless bags? Sure. So, yep, the strapless bag is one of them. Um, David has actually been working on a shaving kit that we're going to be releasing here uh, shaving kit. relatively quickly. It was now that's act- just not a not like a fortune cookie name for something that isn't a fortune cookie. Is that a legitimate shaving kit? It's a legitimate shaving kit. Wow. Yeah, just something okay. that we're going to have a little fun with and kind of throw out there, kind of running parallel with like the wallets and mm-hmm. different things of that nature. So just looking at something just to kind of broaden our product offering. Okay, as many of our products come from i'd really like to have that <laughs> and then so we start uh, cutting materials and seeing how it turns out and then yeah okay well i can't see robert or i using that very often but um david you have you perhaps a little bit more uh, landscape there and and you still need a trimmer from time to time don't you <laughs> I'm making making personal comments now this is getting into a, an attack uh so when, when are we going to see shaving shaving kits this is uh uh probably in the next month or so, okay. we, uh, we're just trying to come up with the right combination of what we want and, mm. and the product and stuff like that. And so this would be like a bag for all your, all your toiletries or I don't know what you call them here if that's the same. But no, that's exactly right. Toiletries. Exactly, yeah. Okay. So it'll, from, be, it'll be for anything, yeah, yeah. From, from toiletries to, I mean, if you wanted to use it as a mag bag just to carry mags in, loose ammunition, you could do that. But uh, it'll definitely be branded a shaving kit. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, so I'm about a month too early then for my travels for uh, the next trip I'm going to have to. Uh, uh, we'll we'll see it. what we got laying around the shop for you. <laughs> Just uh, just hand stitch a couple of things together. <laughs> yeah, that that's it, definitely. Or we'll just, just throw it in with the next huntsman order. Just put it in there and <laughs> tell them to give it to you. Uh, uh, excellent. And anything else? Uh, obviously, shaving kits is is not what I was expecting to see. Yeah. What else you yeah. got up the uh, sleeve? So so you know another issue that we've kind of identified out there, uh, obviously with our fortune cookie product and our many fortune cookie product, is mm-hmm. the ability to be able to attach that to the rifle. So yep. we've we've there's been some great companies out there that have come out with. Some solutions for that uh, really right stuff obviously comes mm-hmm. to the forefront to where uh, you know they've made the Arca Swiss to Picatinny SCLR clamps that actually uh, put that on the bag yeah um, or but we'll attach it to the Arca Swiss rail on our stocks mm-hmm. uh, but we're also uh, in the process of coming out with a um, optional additional piece of gear that will also uh, assist in that and attach it to the rifle over the scope. Over the scope, okay. Yeah, right. We look forward to seeing what that is. Any name on that to keep an eye out, or we just stay tuned to the website? Just, just look for the color red. 
We don't have a name right now, but just look for the red. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sounds uh, sounds very secret. I, I like it. <laughs> yeah. We see what we will see what that holds uh, in future. Can't wait. It's always nice to see new new, new innovation. You guys obviously know shortage of that. Having a look around the back, you've got you've got all sorts of products. I didn't realize the range was so big. Do you know Do you know how many different products you manufacture? Uh, not exactly because no. we've been kind of rolling some new stuff out, but you know, right now we're probably, if I, if I had to kind of just rattle something off the top of my head, we're around 20 ish. Wow. And, uh, if you look at our SKUs, uh, 20 products in the eight different colors that we carry right now represents <laughs> quite a few. So, uh, yeah. that's what Trying you see. To keep all, all of that in stock is, you know, I guess you, you, you certainly get to know what colors and more. What is the most popular color you make? Probably the multicam. It goes multicam then down to coyote. Okay. Yeah, it seems uh, seems to be um, thinking about matches. That's pretty common. We, we, I reckon in Australia we probably see less of the cam, um, probably more of the tan sort of stuff. Um, how's OD Green going? Is it still still fair in a way? It just depends. I mean, kind of like everything else. The you know we're very regionalized here. Uh, when you hit East Texas and go east from there, you know everything is really green, kind of you know. Okay. So so OD Green does kind of work somewhere you know along the East Coast, but yeah, right. as you start hitting further west, everything starts turning brown. So the browns and the multicams do really good there. So it just depends on where you're so at. It's really regional with colors. Yep. That's uh, I was saying before how regional US seems to be uh, with with matches and stages and and all, all, all other things that we talked about earlier, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's 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 funny like that. I think we're much obviously a much smaller market in Australia, so we see we see probably Australian trends not quite so uh, different state by state. Um, but I'll be corrected on that now that I've I've committed to that to <laughs> to a podcast. Someone to tell me I'm completely wrong. I've got all the data wrong, but that's uh, that's all part of the show. We're we're waiting on someone to come and join us as well, Jonathan Berry, and then we're going to go out somewhere somewhere for some. Are we having Texas barbecue tonight? Is that the? Yeah, I think it sounds like Texas barbecue. We actually. Uh, Talked about that a little bit earlier as to what you, we thought you fellas might like, and we figured we'd kind of let you make up your own mind, either Mexican food, yep. uh, well, I guess the proper terminology here in Texas is Tex-Mex. Tex-Mex, yeah. okay. Or we'd go have some barbecue, and I think barbecue's going to win, yeah. Yeah, we, we had some uh, some Tex-Mex earlier today, but it may, may not have been, well, it was recommended by the Magneto Speed guys, so uh, it seemed to be quite good. Oh, we've got nothing to compare it to. It's very different to the, uh, the alleged Mexican food back home, um, but... It tasted good to us. Much we spicier, um, or no? No, not so much. No, I mean we had some. We had some uh, Arizona Mexican. What's that called? Azmex or something? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just Mexican. Food. <laughs> no, yeah, but we... Mexican food in in Arizona is different. I actually lived in Phoenix for a year. Okay, and it's it's not typically as spicy, and they use a lot of blue corn and things like that. It seemed like when I lived there and everything, it was good. It was just yeah. different. It's funny the salsas and everything were different. If you ask Butters, it was much spicier. <laughs> he struggled with it. Really? He was in tears, I think. Uh, but I don't think spicy food is his quite his thing. Well, I enjoyed it because it was. It felt quite spicy. But I'm sure you now that we've thrown that out, you could say, "Well, let's go here game tonight. On, you guys game be on. on. <laughs> you guys will be on fire tonight." <laughs> which, uh, yeah, I'm more of a curry fan than I am a chili fan. I think. But you know, you guys get all, all immune to it to the chili e- eating Mexican. Well, no, what Tex-Mex food a lot. Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, I'm I'm not a real big spicy food eater. Uh, although I guess kind of as I've gotten a little bit older, it's kind of grown on me a little bit. But mm. it, there still is a too hot. So definitely, gotcha. <laughs> there's a limit, David. You got a limit on your 
Yeah, I mean, I'll eat jalapenos and stuff like that, but once you start venturing outside of that, I don't want to hear anything about ghost peppers or anything <laughs> of that nature because that'll definitely wreck my intestines for sure. Well, that goes to plan for the second part of the uh, podcast. So <laughs> we'll have to think of uh, I bought, bought some stuff in, but we won't, we won't get them out of the car. <laughs> we'll make Jonathan eat it when he gets here. There you go. <laughs> no, it will be uh, it, it's, it's good. And, and we've been in Texas for a few days now, and it's, uh, it's a wonderful little state. Well, not little state. I mean, compared to our state over back home some of our states are huge uh but we're talking last night we're out hunting with ivan and uh, we're talking about some of the station properties or ranches ranches what do you yeah ranches ranches so some of them and and i think the biggest ranch here was the king ranch is he familiar with that i don't know if the king's ranch are the biggest or the or or the xo ranch in the panhandle uh the xo ranch used to be really large as well in the panhandle and it was the XO, because it was stand for 10 in Texas. They were in 10 counties, which was oh, wow. quite the large <laughs> ranch. So I'm not quite sure who holds the record currently. Yeah, because we, we checked out that the biggest one in Australia is 2 million acres or thereabouts, which is a, a big, big property. That's a large operation. <laughs> yeah. We were on we were on only a little place last night, which was 200 acres. But just due to the terrain we were on, which is in that hill country, um, it felt much bigger much much bigger than a couple hundred acres because you you're up and down and up and down the whole time it's a beautiful spot to spot to shoot Where, do you guys hunt uh pigs here like nearby or what sort of stuff do you shoot yeah we pig hunt although we haven't done it in several years yeah actually we used to go um my family business that i still work part-time with my father is a cattle ranch so okay i'm yeah. still out there several times a week helping out and feeding cows and whatnot and stuff like that and we used to go what five or six times at least a yeah. year Yep, mm. out at night and stuff like that and whatnot. And mm-hmm. try to, you'd either see a lot of pigs or you'd see none. It just, <laughs> it's random. Yep. And what else, do you, do you get an opportunity to hunt now? Or is it too busy barbecuing and shooting to, and, and making bags to, uh, to do much of that? No, we, we like to take the opportunity to get out, you know, mm-hmm. whenever we can. Um, you know, obviously uh, we have our deer leases or I have my deer lease, I guess. And then David has his land out there that he hunts on. Um, always like to make a, uh, trip down to see Zach Skurlock over at Suppressed Tactical Solutions with Glory Ranch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they give, you know, show us to a really good time out there and, um, go out and see some very, very nice animals. Okay. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting being out there in the stand. He's like, oh, you can't shoot that one. Don't, don't, you know, n- no, <laughs> you know, and then, well, well, how much would it be if I shot that one? Oh, I don't, don't want to shoot that one. I don't want to shoot that one. Yeah. You know, so let me check my balance, my checkbook real quick. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Yeah. No, but, uh. You know, we have a good time down there. So, so there's a lot of hunting opportunity mm. um, out here for us. Although, you know, you're correct. We we don't get to spend as much time out there as we like. You know, it's kind of funny because when David and I, you know, obviously the trip, you know, the company started on a hunting trip. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, David and I would be, man, this is awesome. We're going to make money. We're going to hunt more. We're going to shoot more. You know, we're going to go out and compete. Well, it's <laughs> been the exact opposite. Yes. You know, you know, for us, as I'm sure you can imagine, just yeah. kind of as we've grown. Uh, but we don't regret one single bit of it. You know, no. we, we really enjoy what we're doing. And, um, you know, if we can go out there and, and, and help the shooting community in any kind of way, that's that's what we're here for. And that's that that's what makes us happy these days. Mm. Mm. You mentioned a deer lease before. Now, what is what is that? Not knowing what that is so in my country. Yeah, if you're if, if you live kind of at least in the state of Texas, probably a lot of places here in the United States, uh, yeah. if you do not have uh, you know current land that you either own or is owned by a family member, there are a lot of places that will actually lease a certain amount of land to you okay. uh, to be able to go out and hunt on. So, right. so you pay so much per year and you have yep. access to the land to hunt during the hunting season. 
Okay, and is that like shared? Like you, 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 several people have access to the one place, or is it? No, you, it depends on the agreement that okay. you set up. It's unique to each each okay. agreement. But it's not uncommon for for many unders to have a a deal lease somewhere. Um, no, usually if it is, it's friends or something like that. They go in together to lease it together. You know, so everybody puts in money. Yeah, for yep. the year and stuff like that, and everybody kind of has their own stand or share stands or whatever. Okay. But it's usually not a case where you go in with a bunch of strangers. Usually, yeah, sure, but. I mean, all sorts of happens. And one thing I've, I've certainly learned being here is there's a lot of exotic game here and like high fence sort of hunting and stuff. Yeah, well, which well, didn't well, realize. Yeah, well, you were fortunate enough to be in Fredericksburg uh, yeah. and up in the hill country. And in that area, there's a lot of free roaming, non regulatory animals in the state of Texas. Non regulatory meaning that. They're the only game animals are controlled, their populations are controlled by mm -hmm. the state. Uh, yeah. The animals that were brought here. Uh, from other regions are not necessarily regulated. So okay. like your axis, your fallow deer, your black buck, and things of that nature. Nail guy. Yeah. And, and, and in the area where you are, a lot of those are free roaming because they've right. escaped from certain ranches and populated the area. Okay. Well, it's a shame we didn't see any of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they would have yeah. been well in trouble. Yep. Yeah. No, we were only, only pigs and, and pigs and fox. Did you shoot got. some pigs? I got a pig. Right yep. on. I got the same pig twice. And to make sure it was gone. And, uh, and then Butters missed both pigs he shot at, <laughs> which I like to remind him of. And Not and to then, rub his nose in it. Are you, I was going to say, are you supposed to be telling that? Like, uh, no, I'm happy to tell it because he beat me in the competition. So we're about even now. We're about even. Uh, but he did shoot two grey foxes, uh, which uh, is something we don't have back home. I don't think they're an overly challenging beast to, to hunt. Uh, but they came racing in, and they're, they're quite small compared to our red foxes back home, but something unique, something different to do. So it was a pretty quiet night, but we were out there hunting, which is not a bad thing to do. We sat around the fire and tried some local local whiskey from Garrison Brothers. You familiar with them at all? No, I'm oh, not. No. Mm -hmm. oh, you might have to be. Yeah, <laughs> we might have to familiarise ourselves. Yeah, that was pretty, uh, pretty good. Um, yeah, like it was uh, the, the town's HYE. I think does that make any sense? Anyways, on it was on the way from Friedrichsburg up to Austin. Um, we passed it. So anyway, that was uh, that was quite a nice quite a nice night out. Probably a similar sort of trip to how we that got started. So who knows what got started last night? Is there much helicopter hunting here? Because that's certainly the impression we have. I don't know about a bunch of helicopter hunting. There are places you can go and pay to go helicopter hunting, and actually. Oh, okay. I was invited with a, a friend of ours where our ranch is, which is about 30 miles from here. Uh, he was renting a helicopter and asked if I wanted in because they're they going to hunt and fly over his land and kill pigs just to eradicate the population because yeah, sure. they, they can have two litters a year yes. of six to eight pigs at a time. So it's hard to even keep up with maintaining the population, let alone it's it's been exploding. We we have a, a massive big problem in Australia, so we can certainly we we're looking at you know around the ground everything last night, going yeah we see the exact same thing at home, just less cactus. That's really the difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I was gonna go, but then we were busy here or something like that, and I didn't go. But I mean, you can rent a helicopter. F you can actually line it up where you pay you know among two or three people and and rent a helicopter, pilot, get the pilot out there and everything, and you can fly over, you know, the land that you have access to or have permission to go on yeah, and shoot pigs from there, which I hear is a lot of fun. Uh, but I probably should have taken <laughs> taken up on that a couple of years back, but I didn't like a fool. But Yeah, uh, there, will, there will be another opportunity at some point, no doubt. So, yeah. 
Yeah, because we there, there was a potential that that may have happened, but it didn't come about, unfortunately. But um, maybe next time we come around, maybe we'll, we'll do it together next time. We'll go up in a helicopter. Yeah, and, uh, for sure. Decimate, make a date. Yep. Decimate some Sounds pigs. Good. That would be uh, that would be wonderful. And so, what does the future of Webad hold? Are you building a, a, another place to to move into, expand a little bit as things grow. As things grow, there's a possibility. Um, you know, there's obviously always room for expansion on equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of our main goals uh, here at the company is to incorporate a lot of automation. So yep. uh, that automation obviously is going to help us increase our productivity. And as we begin to increase our productivity or here in the shop, you know, obviously mm-hmm. we can move on to making more and more gear. Yeah. Um, the, the growth strategy and kind of the pains in growing right now is getting into a lot of the products where we want to be, uh, and, you know, incorporating that complexity into it. So when we start talking about backpacks or, you know, range bags, you know, different things of that nature, Mm -hmm. um, those are the things that we need to get better at through automation. Um, you know, as, as you're well aware, we had a conversation earlier where we were actually just talking about the cost of labor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nowadays, you know, uh, and it, it's quite high. It's mm. quite high here in the States. It's definitely quite high for you in Australia. Yeah, you know? that's why we don't make anything anymore. Yep, yep, yeah. absolutely. So, <laughs> Pretty much. So, you know, those those are just some of the things that uh, we, we have to kind of figure out as a company, you mm. know, just kind of as, as we continue to grow, uh, how do we increase our output with our current workforce? And there's definitely ways to do it. Uh, there's definitely things that we can put in place. Uh, everything's just a, a matter of money, matter of funding, time, you know, time, time, yeah, money. absolutely. Yeah. Just the minor things in life that seem to hold <laughs> us all back from everything we wanted to, yep. isn't it? But yeah, at least you guys have found a passion that you can get, you get fully invested with in something that you really enjoy doing. And, and, you know, many people don't get that opportunity. And so, you know, so I'm, I'm sure you guys feel very blessed that you get to do that on a fairly regular basis. Absolutely. And go and shoot For matches sure. and go to SHOT Show and stand on rooftop bars and get abused because you know, <laughs> invite the right people. <laughs> yep. I've got paid to say that. Anyway. But and, for the uh, record, for the record, if you did see my post, David was in charge of the invites. I heard so. that Oh, yeah, that's what I invites. hear. I keep getting thrown yeah. under the bus on that one for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's wonderful. And, and, you know, to, to run into you guys at SHOT and I, we may – Briefly, have met the, the couple of years ago. I think we, we had some interaction or waved. We certainly ate your food, so that was you know that was a, a very good way of doing it. But to actually, you know, to run into people at shot is is a wonderful way of doing it from all over the world. So it was uh, oh, we thoroughly enjoyed our time, and uh, I know. I know four days of just standing there and talking to people can be can take its task and and the nightlife, but um, <laughs> probably more so the nightlife <laughs> if we're real about it. But it's uh, you know it's wonderful to to run in. Thanks for the opportunity to come out here and chat away with you guys and. Uh, Let's go and enjoy some food. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for coming. We yeah. appreciate it. No. Absolutely. Thank you for taking us up on that and coming in to see us. And yeah. Uh, oh, absolutely. It's good. Appreciate it's it. good fun to come out here. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast. To continue the discussion, check out our Facebook page. And for more information, head to our website, www.precisionshootingpodcast.com.au. This episode was brought to you by Impact Dynamics.